Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I want to go to the book of Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19. Begin reading there. And the people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you passed until you have passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. I want to talk to you today, amen, starting off this message, remembering the stones remembering the stones. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this celebration, for these people. I am so honored and humbled by the opportunity to work with these people, Lord, that you have given. Lord, this is your church. God, it doesn't belong to me. Lord, it doesn't belong to us. We are just part of your body. We want to do what pleases you, oh God. We want to do what gives you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Israel was on a journey, a dynamic journey. We know that Israel left years before as a small group of people and went to Egypt to survive the famine that God provided for them. And in Egypt, they grew and grew until they became a mighty nation. They became slaves eventually to Pharaoh. And God told a man by the name of Moses, I want you to go. I want to let my people go. And so it began to, we begin to see how God worked with Israel. It had to, had to get their attention when the water was turned to blood. Had to get their attention when it was the infestation of flies and the frustration of the frogs. I don't think that the that my wife would have survived that she and frogs are not friends. 
Can you consider the, the, the lice and the hail and the horror of the death angel swooping in upon the Egyptians and as Israel watched stand by, they watched as they were exited out miraculously through the blood-stained doors as the mighty nation emerged, some three million strong, making their way to the Red Sea. Amen. It amazes me how people can see miracles and still not believe, and this is the case. But if, if the Red Sea rolling back and them walking on dry ground didn't convince everybody, I don't know what will. They began not too long after that grumbling at the bitter waters of Maru, and so we find that the Lord showed a tree to Moses, and he said, cast that into the waters, and it cleared up the waters, and so the bitter waters became sweet, and God started taking care of Israel. He led them down paths all the way through their journey, uh, the amazing 40 days of glory on the mountain, amen, where the Lord met with Israel, uh, and God met with with Moses and commune with him, holy fire and lightning and thundering and smoke and all kinds of noise is coming off the top of the mountain and, and God delivers to Moses a new way of worshiping, a new dispensation of worship, a new law, a new temple, a new priestly order, amen. They began to see the glory of God as it appeared as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They experienced manna every morning. There was no need to go to H and what is it? H and R, you had a manna. Man, it's right there in front of you. Don't know drive through, just go out there and get it. And they griped about that. Still, God blessed them. He blessed them so much that their clothes didn't grow uh, 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 old. You put on your Levi's and it's with you for your whole life. Slip on the sandals and they're the size of a boy and then it grows to the size of a man. It didn't wear out. Y'all, that's some 40 year old sandals. In the wilderness, God took care of his people. You will find looking at Israel, Israel had been some places even in the wilderness. They had seen God move in a mighty way. They had watched him perform even uh, when they had failed him. Even when they messed up, God's people were blessed. Considering with me today, MPC, 106 years, we've seen some things. We've been some places. We have some stories, don't we? We have some miracles that we can mark. Amen. We've got some amazing miracles. We've got some that are just this year. Uh, I, I still rejoice. God healed my wife of cancer. I don't, know, I don't know how else to say other than praise be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. God healed, amen, Brother John of cancer this year. What, what are we going to do? Gripe about Corona? No, 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 no. I'm going to praise my God. We've been some places. We've seen some things. We watched as God provides for us. Amen. If I may briefly just reiterate the history, I don't want to ever forget where we came from. Why, it's, why is it important? Amen. They're tearing down history so they won't for, remember where we come from. You need to know as a church where we come from. In 1914, a tent was set up 
on the north side of Medora, on the north suburb, if you please, in a grove, and a mighty apostolic revival came to the small farming community that was nestled here in these beautiful hills. Stories of miracles and signs and wonders brought great interest, and it magnified God as people began to come into this revival. After the tent meeting, church services were held in a storefront on Perry Street. From there, the people moved to the building on Main Street. The site of this present property was purchased December the 30th, 1915 for $110. We've been some places. We've seen some things. Brother LeBannon mentioned about L.R. Uten. L.R. Uten, who at the age of 17 was called by God to come to Medora. God spoke to him directly and said, go to Medora. We will find, I, I'm, I'm reading, this is from his book, uh, L.R. Uten's book. Uh, the great, we find that, that he said, <clears throat> at this time he had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but had not come to the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. So he writes, after a sufficient period of faith testing, the Lord gave us revival resulting in the establishment of an apostolic church there where already there were seven other churches of the Protestant faith established. But this was to be an apostolic revival long to be remembered by our Lord's humble servant at the age of 17. As an evangelist of the apostolic faith, I was welcomed to both the leadership as well as the membership of the seven other churches who is so informed by them. But beloved, these are the days and a time which the Lord's people must have right and opportunity of returning to the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Therefore, there is naught for us to do but obey God rather than man. In a short while, every member but three in the Pilgrim Holiness Church was filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, including the district elder, Reverend Oral Weddle. As this humble and obedient servant of the Lord worked in a cornfield on his farm, a heavenly being appeared to him in a vision, speaking to him in other languages. This convinced him of the need of a spirit-filled life. Among those filled with the Holy Spirit, were businessmen, school teachers, ministers, together with some who had never professed to know Christ before and some high officials from various religious groups. As a result of this great revival, an apostolic church was established there and it remains to this day and it's in parenthesis written in 1974. I want to tell Mr. Uden that the church is still here in 2020. Can I share with you just a little bit more of where we've been? According to Brother Orton Uden's biography, a United Brethren in Union preacher was among those who were filled with the Holy Ghost. He continues, 
I mentioned Brother Turner's experience in detail for the following reason. Some weeks later, he came to me with a request to baptize 35 or 36 people in his community who had been brought to the knowledge of the truth through the preaching of this humble servant of Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit as in Acts 2 and 4. I assured them that since I was only the evangelist and he would be the pastor, it would be best that for him to do the baptizing. Although I was then a young man, he looked at me with kindly eyes and he said, but Brother Uten, you have been a father in bringing me the apostolic faith and how I wish that you might do the baptizing. He said, I urged him, however, to comply with my sincere request and he obeyed. So they went down to the waters to be baptized. In the midst of the baptismal service, a marvelous event took place. As I was helping the people in and out of the water, I heard a voice from heaven saying, My brother, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. While I yet marveled at what I heard, for I had never heard of such a thing before, Brother Turner came to me on the bank stream inquiring, Brother Uten, what was that I heard today? The Lord spoke to you. What did he say? When I told him what I heard, he doubted that the Lord had said it. But Brother Uten, there is only one way to be baptized, and that is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Broken in spirit, he continued. We, having been instruments, instrumental in laying me into, uh, rather, he said, you have been instrumental in leading me into the light of the apostolic faith. Now, please, don't mislead by some strange spirit. I assured him. I'd never heard or read about baptism in Jesus' name before. So come now, he said. Let us reason together. Return to the house and search the scriptures and see for ourselves. Turning to the scriptures, we immediately begin to read where the apostles baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. Thrilled and inspired by this heavenly visitation, we rejoice and read the scriptures all night long. And then they returned later to baptize the some 35, 36 people in the name of Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is part of our heritage. Part of our heritage Amen is prayer warriors that have prayed us into the glorious revelation that we which where we are but we have yet to see there's still more ahead of us. Amen. We find that there were those that had ten revivals later and mighty revivals, mighty revivals that have happened and are still happening today. We've been some places. We've seen some great things. As Israel stood on the banks of the Jordan River, there was still more to come. There was still more to come. Joshua said to the people of the Lord, he said, for there shall be a space between you and it, speaking the ark about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know by the way which you must go. For ye have not passed this way hitherto. Israel was about to march into a new promise. Israel was about to march into a new glory. Israel was about to march into new victory. Amen. Yes, thank God for what yesterday was. Oh, but there is still more to come. There is still more to come. I want to tell you, we need to remember where we've been, but not just because of where we've been, but because of what God can do. 
Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to lift up your voices. If you're proud of our heritage, if you're proud of where we've been in the apostolic truth that we stand on, you ought to stand to your feet and give some glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through the eons of time. We're still standing. We're still standing. You may be seated. Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 5. It says, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? What mean these stones? Why would the Lord tell Joshua to get 12 men to get 12 stones? What was the purpose of these stones? What's the significance of the rocks, this gathering of minerals over the years that the earth has existed? Verse 8 of this very same chapter tells us that they gathered the stones from Jordan. They gathered them from the river of Jordan. So this flowing river, God told Joshua to command his men to gather 12 stones from this river. We can notice that these stones would have been smooth. They would have been smooth stones because they were kind of like river rocks. They couldn't be harsh. They couldn't have rough edges. Who knows how long those stones have sat in that water so that we know that the stones had to be smooth. Why did they need to be smooth? It's because they were going to be written on. These stones were going to have some importance. They must have been smooth because God didn't want any misunderstanding from an uneven surface. He didn't want there to be any form of misinformation to be passed on the generations to come. These stones had to be smooth because they had a purpose. Somebody say, the stones have purpose. Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 7. Then ye shall answer them. That the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. And the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. These stones had to be right. They had to be smooth. They had to be the right size because they were going to display an important message. They were going to display stories and miracles of what God had done in years before to the children of Israel. Church, we've had, this whole service has been about the generations before in this church. Generations before us have come and gone, and they noticed and realized something that was very important, and that was the importance of passing down the miracles and the stories of what God has done before. There is a reason that God gave us the ability to tell stories and to have testimonies, because that is how he designed the church to move on. There's a reason I never get tired of hearing these miracles. Y'all, we've got some miracles in this church. And there's a reason I never get tired of hearing them. It's because we are designed to know that there is the goodness of God that is still going on today. 
I can't get over them because it becomes affirmation of the God that we serve whenever I fear, whenever I have doubts, when I'm lost, when I haven't heard his voice in some time, I can look to the stones and I can remind myself of the goodness of God and where I've been and where you've been and I know that he is still sovereign and he still sits on the throne and I'm going to be okay. I can look to the stones and say, he's brought me out of Jordan. He's brought me out of Egypt. He's brought me over the Red Sea. No matter what I come up against, he's got me. When the waters get high, <laughs> when Jordan flows higher, when the waters become raging, I can rest ashore. Those stones are still at the bottom of the river. They're still there. It doesn't matter if the waves of eons of time come over them. If they're covered with sand, the stones are still there. No matter what happens, I can remind myself of the goodness of God. Somebody say the stones have importance. Now that begs the next question. Why 12 stones? Pretty easy question, if you ask me. It was, <laughs> it was so every single tribe of Judah could have a stone. There was no reason that anybody couldn't see a stone. You had one for your specific tribe. They had all, all had stones. Has anyone have a story of the goodness of God, of what he's done in your life? Have you seen the goodness of the Lord? Has he ever showed up in your life whenever he's, you've least expected it? We ought to raise our hands right now and thank God. God, you showed up. You showed up. You showed up then. You'll show up today and you'll show up tomorrow. If, it, if we go on before the coming of the Lord, you're going to be with us. No matter what I come up against, you're there. Isn't it amazing that we think we know the right time that God ought to show up? It's like he didn't create time. I know when he ought to show up. Yet when he doesn't move when we think he ought to, we're surprised. You didn't show up when I thought you ought to I mean, don't you know I'm human? I know everything. Yeah. It's not like I created everything. And even more, when he does move, we say, God couldn't have showed up in an even more perfect time. It doesn't matter if it's on my time. He created time. He's going to show up when I need it and when I, when I least expect it. He's still going to show up. It might not be today and it might not be tomorrow, but I know he's going to show up. Why? Because he's moved before and he's done it before and I know he'll do it again. Let me remind y'all that we're going through a situation today. God still sits on the throne. I can end it right there and it would be done. He still has sovereignty over everything. He is still ruler over the heavens and the earth. Demons tremble at the very just mention of his name. What happens when he steps onto the scene? If you would start praying, God, would you step into my scene? I can know that you've done it before. He can do it again. Has he moved in your life before? You can be rest assured he'll do it again. Has he freed you from slavery? But then you're freed from slavery and then you come up to a Red Sea like, you can't do it. You can't. 
God just freed you from years and years of slavery, and you think he still can't part seas. He saved you from that addiction. You think he can't help you with your money problems. He saved you out of the mire of clay, yet you think he can't help your marriage problems. Come on, somebody. If he's moved before, he can do it again. If he's done it then, he'll do it today. If he's done it then, he'll do it tomorrow. Just look to the stones. Remember the stones. There's importance in the stones. Because if he's done it yesterday, he can do it today. Why do we as humans think that every challenge we come up against is too big and too great for the God like he didn't just overcome the last thing? There is a reason to remember the stones. For when we're in the valley, it's to remind us there's a mountaintop at the end of this valley. Dr. Tony Ovens writes in his commentary on Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 and 24. And I quote, The people camped at Gilgal where Joshua reminded the Israelites to use the memorial stones to bear witness to their children about the amazing works of God. But ultimately, this testimony wasn't merely for the benefit of the people of God. They were to report God's deeds so that all the people... Of the earth, including you and including me, some over 2,000 years later, the stones are still there. And I continue that the people of the earth, including you and me, might know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that they would always fear the Lord. God's people, past and present, are to work to spread his fame and his glory throughout the earth. So when you tell somebody your testimony, it glorifies God. (laughs) It shows that he still exists. He's still in a healer. Your situation might be bad, but God did this for me. He's done this for me. He's healed my body. He's broke my addiction. He gave me peace. He gave me hope. He gave me love. That is how we win souls today because we become the messengers of the goodness of God. But what does remembering the stones have to do with what's coming next? God does not let the story end with the stones. The stones are not the end of your story. The miracle that's happened in your life is not the end. There's more on the way. (laughs) There is more on the way. (laughs) Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was at Jericho. Let's talk about Jericho. That he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and he said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Remembering the stones is perfectly fine. But we must be mindful to not rest upon the stones. You see, 
We look to the stones. We do not rest on the stones. We look to the miracles from the years gone on, but we do not rest on those miracles. We rest on something greater. We rest on the one that can provide those miracles. God wants us to remember what's happened in years before, but that is to push us to our next greatest chapter. Yes, we've been freed from slavery. God parted the seas. You see, the children of Israel had a lot of connection with stones. First, stones meant slavery. They meant bondage. They meant work. They worked with stones. They moved stones. They built uh, most of Egypt with stones. They were killed with stones. When they saw stones, they saw their slavery. Then, stones meant miracles. I can look to the stones now from what he's done before, and that's good. Stones meant good. It showed the goodness of God and what great miracles he had done for the children of Israel. But there is a third thing that stones meant to the children of Israel. Now the stones mean victory. For there was a stone wall by the name of Jericho that was about to fall down. And it was going to show the children of Israel that we are going to be victorious. Yes, it might have meant slavery. Now it means miracles. But next, it's my victory. Most of us know this story forwards and back. But what were the people of Jericho thinking? The people within the walls. Who are these people? Why are they marching around my city? I mean, could you imagine if people just walked around Medora, just marching, silent? Kind of weird. <laughs> Don't they know that their God can't come up against this fortress? They probably screamed at the children of Israel, screaming profanity at them, throwing things, hollering, mocking them. But I like to think that every time they passed, every lap... They looked towards camp and they knew there's some stones up there that I know he's done something like this before. <laughs> he can do it again. In my silence, I will march knowing that there are some stones back at camp that says he's provided before. He can provide again. Let me tell you something. Remembering what God has done will shut out those who are mocking you. The goodness of God screams louder than the noise of this world. Come on, somebody. The miracles before scream louder than what the devil could ever say to you. When he says your God can't provide, when he says your God can't work, my miracle screams louder than you. I wonder right now if we can stand up and just lift our voices and our hands and thank God for the times that he saved you, for the times he's helped you. Come on, somebody! If musicians will come. We like to think that Jericho was the end of the story. <laughs> Jericho was just the start. God wasn't done with Joshua, and he's not done with you, church. It doesn't matter the stones before. 
And it doesn't matter the challenge that's coming up next. There are greater things on the other side. We have heard amazing stories over the years. I look at my mother and they said she had five months. Her months would have been over by now, yet she's still standing. I look at our Joshua right here today and I believe in miracles that are on the way. We have the stones, but God is looking for a generation that's ready to pave their own way and have their own stones. Jericho wasn't the end of the story for when God sent Joshua and the children of Israel, they sent them on a victory march throughout of all Canaan. Here's what God is calling NPC to. It's a march of victory throughout this land. Jericho was just the beginning. Then they took I, then Gibeon, then Shepherah, then Beeroth, then Lachith, then Gesser, then Eglon, then Hebron, then Tabir. Joshua 10 and 40. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. And he left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. Y'all, that wasn't the end. You want to see what God brought Joshua and the children of Israel through? I don't know about y'all. I feel a wave of victory of the Holy Ghost coming in this room right now. Did you feel it? Can you feel it? Bear with me. I got some verses to read. Joshua chapter 7, chapter 12, verse 7. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel smote on this side of Jordan on the west from Balgad in the valley of Lebanon, even unto the Mount Halak, and go up to Seir, which Joshua gave unto the tribes of Israel for a possession according to their divisions. In the mountains, in the valleys, in the plains, in the springs, in the wilderness, in the south country, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now we start naming names. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jeroth, one. The king of Lachis, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Deber, one. The king of Gedder, one. Come on, somebody. The king of Hamar, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of La, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makedah, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapo, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lashron, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazar, one. The king of Shemaron, Mamaron, one. The king of Ashmach, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jokanim, of Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the coast of Dor, one. The king of nations of Gilgal, one. The king of Tazar, one. And the kings. 30 and 1. Jericho was just the start to a wave that could be countless. We can remember 106 years of what God has done. And it's good and it's what we're called to do. But what if there's just one Jericho standing in our way to a whole wave of victory throughout the land? It's our time that we start speaking some things by faith. Y'all, we about run the Medora school anyway. I believe that God can make a way where this church has a school. That's not crazy for me to say. There are some nurses in this house right now. I believe that God can make a way for a clinic. I believe that God can make a way from a homeless shelter. 
I believe that God can make a way that we start helping this community and it branches out into a wave of victory. All it takes is a Jericho to start that wave of victory. If you're ready to make that first step, why don't you get out of your seat right now? Why don't you get out of your seat right now and say, I'm ready to march. I'm ready to move. What if your situation that you're facing right now is your chair? What if your situation, Jericho, that's going to propel you of the enemy's territory? Somebody raise their voices. Somebody have a victory cry right now. Somebody shout unto God. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.